You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day, the second to last game before the All-Star break. We're going to preview Wolves Hornets. Uh, here coming up, uh, the game, of course, is tonight on Tuesday. We'll look at that uh, and take a peek at the upcoming schedule. I also want to talk about the Patrick Beverly extension and why I think this is a great move for the Timberwolves. This was reported late Monday by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, so I want to dive into that. We'll also look at the power rankings from around the league uh, after the Timberwolves' recent I guess last week was was two and two. It was you know two and two week with a couple of tough losses in the middle of the week. But overall, what did the power rankings look like based on the last couple of weeks, which have generally been good for the Timberwolves? Uh, so we're gonna do all that on the show here today. First off, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms: Apple, Google, Spotify, as well as the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, uh, let's start with Patrick Beverly. So Pat Bev, of course, had a three or $40 million deal. He signed with the LA Clippers uh, back two and a half years ago. And um, there were some rumors before the season or right at the start of the season, really, kind of right after like late October, early November, there was some discussion that the Timberwolves and Patrick Beverly were already talking extension because he was excited about being in Minnesota. He thought the team had potential. The Timberwolves obviously immediately saw his value. Um, And then of course his name was tossed around in some trade rumors, which I talked about quite a bit on this show as being ridiculous. There was really no way he was ever moved unless it was to somehow facilitate, say a Ben Simmons trade or maybe a Miles Turner trade at some point. It was unlikely that Pat Bev was ever going to be on the move. Um, unless, of course, the Timberwolves had been had had a rough start to the year. If the Wolves were sitting here at, I don't know, twenty five and thirty, or, or I guess flip their record now, right? If they were twenty seven and thirty at the All Star break, or excuse me, at the trade deadline, maybe there's a chance the Timberwolves would have traded him for a pick or traded him for you know uh, a young asset and a second round pick or something like that. But because the Wolves are comfortably in the seventh spot in the Western Conference and only about uh, what a game and a half or so outside of the sixth spot in the Denver Nuggets. There was no sense in making the roster worse by trading Patrick Beverly just to try and get an asset for an expiring contract because this team is already sitting pretty well. And Pat Bev's a big part of what they do defensively. He's a, a massive part of the locker room and the team chemistry and, uh, you know, has had a little bit of a down offensive year in terms of shooting the ball. But every indication is that that's eventually going to normalize close to his career rate from outside the arc. So there's still some upside the rest of this year for Patrick Beverly. So the extension talks made some sense. And also, factor in Patrick Beverly himself. I mean, what is he now? He's, I believe he's 32 years old and he wasn't ever going to get another big multi-year deal making, you know, what he's making now, which averages out the average annual value of his three years, uh, $40 million contract. He signed initially with the Clippers is over $13 million a year on average. He was never going to get an average annual value higher than that at the age of 32 signing another contract. So taking a one-year extension with an up and coming team that he feels like will be a playoff team this year and next year and uh, another $13 million payday for him. This, that's what this extension is, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. As of this recording, the Timberwolves have not officially announced it. So this is still just reported by Woj. Uh, of course, it makes sense for Pat Bev to do that. Um, could he have gotten more in the open market? 
Probably not. Uh, I think he's probably worth as much to the Timberwolves as he would be to any other team. Um, and he probably wouldn't have gotten, almost certainly wouldn't have gotten more than a year on the open market. Or maybe he could have gotten two years and 12 million, you know, over the two years. But to get one year and 13 million, it checked his box in that he's essentially going to be making the same amount of money that he has over the past three seasons. And he's with a team he's now familiar and comfortable with. And the Timberwolves core is in place. Um, with this move, the Timberwolves have no cap space. They, they weren't really going to anyway. They're not going to have any cap space next year. All they're going to have is the, the $10 million mid-level uh, exception. And then of course the cap hold for their first round pick. Remember the Wolves have their first round pick next year. They don't have, they don't owe any future picks. They also have three second round picks by the way, but that doesn't impact the cap. Um, so they've got a cap hold for the first rounder and they're going to have the mid-level exception available, but that's it. The Wolves are capped out. Otherwise they've got the max contracts with Russell and Towns. Um, and they've got some other, I mean, Torian Prince is going to come off the books, but, but he's the only player that's going to hit unrestricted free agency. That's a regular part of this rotation. You know, there's a couple others, Josh, Shakogi, Jake Lehman, but essentially there's going to be no cap space for the Timberwolves. Um, and so why not bring the band back together? And I realize that, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding like somebody who covers the Timberwolves and thinking, oh, success, they're 30 and 27. Obviously that's not the case, but there's an argument to be made. This team's just going to continue to get better. If you look at Anthony Edwards next year, he'll be 21. Look at D'Angelo Russell in a contract year next year, as he moves into the final year of his max contract, he signed a couple off seasons ago with Golden State or the sign-in trade, I guess, between Brooklyn and Golden State. And then Carl Anthony Towns will be extension eligible upcoming here. He's just entering his prime, making his third All-Star game. He's going to challenge for All-NBA again this year for the second time in his career. Um, there's a lot to like about this team moving forward. And unless the Wolves are able to swing a massive trade, obviously Simmons is now off the market, having been acquired by Brooklyn. What is the next splash move for the Timberwolves if they make one? It's going to be some tweaking around the edges. It's going to be the type of contracts like the Nas Reed and Jalen Noel deals that got done with Gerson Rosas, where you're finding talent at a, essentially a discounted price and you have some cost certainty for future years, uh, some flexibility and, and partially guaranteed contracts. They're going to need to do more of that if they truly believe in this Towns Edwards Russell core. And I don't see why you wouldn't moving forward. Again, unless you can swing a trade for an established star, less, a player like a Simmons, um, there's no sense in in changing anything up. So the Papa extension, in my mind, makes sense all the way around. And, and it almost made too much sense for it to potentially not get done. And so really good for all parties to get this completed now and not have it drag out into the offseason, uh, most definitely. Okay. Next, I want to look at NBA power rankings. All our friends over at ESPN, Sports Illustrated, NBA.com, The Athletic have all released their power rankings this week. I want to see what the past seven days did to the Timberwolves standing in each of those rankings compared to where they were the week prior. Of course, they had a couple of losses last week sandwiched in between the long six-game winning streak and then the win uh, on Sunday against um, the win that they just got on Sunday against the Pacers. So we're going to do that here in just a second. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Football might now be over for this season, but basketball is still in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right on down to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts.
All right. Thank you once again for making Locked On Wolves your first listen. For your next listen, you can check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's talk power rankings. So we do this every now and again on the show. We got games Tuesday, Wednesday, so we have lots of post-game pods upcoming this week. Uh, so I want to talk about where the various sites around the NBA blogosphere, if you will, rank the Timberwolves. Um, we'll start with ESPN. And uh, they sometimes, last week, they got some attention for a pretty lazy take. I, I don't recall exactly what it was. I think it had to do with the Wolves running back a core that wasn't successful last year. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know why that's ridiculous. This I mean, this core did not play much together last year. We all know when Russell Towns and Edwards played together, they had a slightly above 500 mark when those three played. Um, and the guys basically weren't healthy at the same time, except for very early in the season and very late in the season. Obviously, Chris Finch taking over midseason. There's a lot of reasons why this year is different than last year, even if, you know, the the active 13-man roster is virtually the same, right? Except for some churn at the bottom. You're looking at the only new rotation guys this year as Torian Prince and Patrick Beverly. Obviously, especially in the case of Beverly, big difference makers. Um, and absolutely the case of Beverly. However, the rest of, of the, the, the rotation was on this roster last year. So not a whole lot else changed. It's, it's a similar recipe, not the same, similar to the Phoenix Suns recipe, the Atlanta Hawks recipe last year. I know the Suns added Chris Paul. I know, you know, Jay Crowder. I know they've made significant changes, but by and the Hawks added some veterans last year too. The Wolves added Patrick Beverly, uh, not the same as adding Chris Paul, but the progression of a DeAndre Ayton, of a Devin Booker, of Bridges, you know, of, of some of these other guys in the Suns, and in the case of the Hawks, kind of the mirror image. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, both teams make the conference finals. And in the case of the Suns, they make the finals. Or they go all the way to the NBA finals. Um, there's some similarities there with the Wolves. I'm not at all predicting that the Timberwolves end up in the Western Conference finals sitting here right now. However, the formula of your young players improving and surrounding them with solid veterans like a Patrick Beverly, a Torian Prince, um, I mean, that, that has worked. It, it makes sense. And that's what the Timberwolves are doing. Um, so all that to say last week's ESPN comment, I forget which ESPN writer even wrote it as part of their power rankings. You can go back and look at it. it would be their week 17 power rankings was kind of a lazy comment. Um, this week, the Timberwolves are bumped from 15th in ESPN's power rankings up to 14th. And even though they went two and two this week with the, uh, with the, the win last Sunday afternoon. So I guess technically they went, they went one and two this week because last Sunday's win, that matinee win against Detroit would have gone on this week's ledger. Oh no, but they beat Sacramento once too. So they did go two and two this week. They beat the Kings. They lost to the Kings. They lost to the Bulls. And then they beat the Pacers on Sunday. So a two and two week does improve the Wolves by one spot in ESPN's ranking. And this is an interesting note uh, from ESPN. It says, it talks about Minnesota starting the season with a surprising defense uh, being carried by their surprising defense. They were top 10 defense with the offense struggled. Of course, we know the script has flipped. They've got the numbers here. The Timberwolves have the number one offensive rating in the NBA since the start of January, narrowly edging the Suns in offensive efficiency. But the defense has slipped to 21st um, since January 1st. It's added up to Minnesota posting the eighth best net rating in the NBA since January 1st. Uh, so that makes sense to me. Um, and having them 14th in the league, that also makes sense. They're one spot ahead of Brooklyn. They're only, strangely, only two spots ahead of the LA Clippers who are 28 and 30. I understand they improved the roster. Well, of course, now Norman Powell's injured, but Powell, Robert Covington, others. Um, but still, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are still out. Uh, they traded Serge Ibaka. It's a little weird to me that the Clippers are 16th in this power ranking. The Charlotte Hornets, who the Wolves play Tuesday, are 17th. 
I mean, I certainly would have them ahead of the Clippers. The Hawks are 18th, the Lakers at 19th. Um, and the Wolves are just one spot behind the Toronto Raptors, who we'll see here soon. And uh, also two spots behind the Denver Nuggets. Of course, the Wolves are right behind them in the Western Conference standings as well. Um, looking at sportsillustrated.com and their power rankings, they also have the Timberwolves at 14th, also up from 15th last week. Uh basically saying the same thing that they're countering their struggling defense with a strong offense and they play the Hornets and the Raptors this week and uh, opportunity to play some teams that the Wolves, I mean, they should beat the Hornets on Tuesday. The Raptors are a bit of a tougher test uh, at this stage and obviously neither game is easy by any stretch, um, but uh, certainly an opportunity to, to potentially get five games above 500 here before the All-Star break, which would be amazing. Um, Zach Harper over at The Athletic is always really kind of the harshest on the Timberwolves and, and understandably so, uh, you know, the Wolves certainly need to prove themselves uh, in a lot of ways before they get too much, too much credit. Uh, and that makes sense, but he's still got them at 15th. They were 17th last week, despite being three games above 500. Zach Harper had them 17th. He still has them in tier four of his, his weird tier system over at the athletic, the play in tournament gives them life is the name of this tier. He's got the Wolves as the best team in that tier, at number 15, again, last year it was 17th. He's still got them one spot behind the Brooklyn Nets. He's got them two spots behind the Nuggets, three spots behind the Mavericks, and four spots behind the Toronto Raptors, who are all the way up at 11 in Tier 3, which is called Playoff Hopefuls. So the Wolves are at 15. He talks about how uh, they've got a legit shot at catching Denver for the number six seed in the West, but they need to avoid losing games like they did to Sacramento this week. Yes, that's true. Uh, but again, you look at the big picture. If you win three out of four against you know, two games against Detroit, two against Sacramento. One's a back-to-back set and two of those four games, or excuse me, three of those four games are on the road. Going three and one over the course of those four games isn't awful. Um, yeah, it was a bad loss and then it was compounded by equally atrocious defense to the Bulls on Friday. But neither one of those were, you know, alarm bells ringing. As Carl Anthony Towns said, after the Bulls lost on Friday, he said I, he wanted to let the fans know, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I want to let the fans know this isn't the same old Wolves. We're not panicking. Uh, sure enough, they came out on one Sunday in a, a pretty convincing win over the Pacers. Uh, still no defense, but they won on Sunday. And now we're still looking at a team that's won, what is it, seven out of the last nine games, is three games above 500 and solidly in the seven spot. Um, so I, I disagree a little bit with Harper. I, I don't see, um, I, I, I he does mention maybe it was a classic trap game. I would call that Sacramento loss on Wednesday much more along the lines of a classic trap game than uh, than just simply losing to a bad team. Uh, most certainly. Okay. The last one I want to look at is NBA.com. And this, of course, if you listen to the show, you know, it's my favorite. John Schumann at NBA.com actually dropped the Wolves from 13 to 14. He still got them at 14, which is tied for the highest that anybody has them. The fact that they were 13 last week uh, is really interesting uh, that, that, that Schumann thought that highly of them. He talks about how over the last four weeks, they've had the league's best offense, but the 25th defense. So instead of going to January 1st, he just went to the last four weeks. He talks about their aggressive pick and roll defense, um, allowing opponents to shoot high volume and now high efficiency from beyond the arc being an, an issue. And surmising here, and I think this is a reasonable take, that their aggressive pick and roll defense, where they're showing, you know, they're hedging hard on the perimeter, they're not playing drop coverage. Midseason fatigue is definitely cropping up again, uh, cropping up for the Wolves at this stage, right? Right before the all-star break, guys are banged up, guys are tired. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and now we're seeing the Wolves. This is a hot button topic around the Timberwolves last few games that they're starting to switch more often uh, defensively instead of playing it straight up and fighting through screens all the time. And that is something that theoretically should help save some legs and, and keep guys you know, with it a little bit more. 
uh, the problem is that they're blowing too many of those coverages and, and not communicating well enough. And, and that's been one of the issues defensively. I will note, I said earlier this season that the Timberwolves, remember the three-point shooting, opponents were shooting the league a league worst, or in the Wolves case, I guess, the league best. So opponents were shooting the worst three, how do I want to say this? The Timberwolves had the best three-point defense league-wide for like the first six, eight weeks of the season, meaning that opponents were shooting the worst three-point shooting percentage against the Wolves as as against any other defensive unit. And I said at the time, this is a little bit tenuous because there's a lot of noise here, right? Um, yes, three-point defense has some nuance. It has, you know, your your there's some scheme to, there's some technique to it. The Wolves didn't use to X out. They didn't use to X out on the perimeter, for instance. Now they do. It allows them to contest threes and make an, make opponents make an extra pass. Um, they, there's a handful of things that you can do, obviously, to, to, uh, to try and drive opponent three-point shooting percentages down. But at the end of the day, you know, teams are going to shoot how they usually shoot. You can make life a little more difficult. But the way that, you know, defense impacting actual three-point shooting is more about limiting those opportunities than it is about the actual percentage in most cases. Um, sure enough, opponent three-point shooting percentages bounced back the other way. There was a regression to the mean for Minnesota. They've been a lot worse defending the three-point line of late. And part of that is because the defense has been a step slower whether they're fatigued or for whatever reason, they're just not contesting quite as well on the perimeter, but also opponents are just making shots and that happens sometimes. Um, but it also proves proves my point earlier this year about how that their ranking defense in terms of defensive rating was a little bit tenuous. And some of the other stuff has maintained, I was worried about their turnover rate. Uh, would the Wolves be able to continue having the league's best turnover rate defensively? They have. Um, they've held that part up. They're still fouling a lot, which was another issue. And eventually that was going to catch up. And that has a little bit. Um, that's somewhere in the middle in terms of the early season metrics that are now catching up to the Wolves because of regression to the mean. But the th opponent three-point shooting percentage is the most notable one. Uh, Schumann also talks about the schedule playing a role in the Wolves offensive surge because they played some terrible defenses of late. Uh, but basically also says, I mean, they have 15 of the last 25 games at home. They've got some easier Eastern conference teams mixed in as well. And they have the fourth best record in the Western conference over the last six weeks, even though they've been very road heavy. I've talked about this previously on the show that the, uh, the, the schedule gets a lot easier, a lot more tenable for the Timberwolves here moving forward. Um, and so, the fact that they're three games above 500 now and have a legit shot at being at least three games above 500 at the all-star break, the Wolves have to feel good about where they're sitting, given all this. So power rankings have the Wolves anywhere from 14th to 15th in the league. Last week, they were anywhere from 13th to 17th. So they're again, starting to kind of consolidate, uh, you know, everybody's starting to agree that the Timberwolves are a, a, a mid to low tier playoff team at this stage with a lot of, in my mind, upside still here to come. All right, I want to close the show here today by previewing Wolves-Hornets. Of course, this will be the fourth ever matchup between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, last year's reigning rookie of the year and uh, the player that went third in the draft after the Timberwolves took Anthony Edwards first in the 2020 NBA draft. So we're going to talk about that here next. Uh, first, though, before we do that, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution, though, because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried Puffs? If you haven't tried Built Puffs, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all delicious, and they're going to be your new favorite. 
All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, including puffs. That's 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Just go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars have just 130 calories and only four grams of sugar, just four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for the month of February, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If Built thinks a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you at Built Bar. They're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they genuinely do pull it off every single time. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's preview Timberwolves-Hornets on Tuesday night back at Target Center. The Wolves now have consecutive games at home Tuesday, Wednesday before the All-Star break this coming weekend. And then after the All-Star break, they get two more home games. This is a four-game homestand spread out over the All-Star weekend. So it ends up being about a week and a half at Target Center. Of course, uh, you know, all Timberwolves not named Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and uh, I guess it's just the two of them that are involved in All-Star weekend festivities. Everybody else gets to take a vacation somewhere. So I'm sure they'll leave the cities. Uh, but the Wolves don't have to play road game now for almost two weeks, which is fantastic. Uh, as for the Hornets, the Hornets have actually, they were 28 and 22 just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we're, a, I wouldn't say a surprise. I mean, everybody expected them to be better, but we're playing a little better, I think, certainly than I expected. I thought they were maybe a little bit overhyped coming into the season. Uh, well, now they've lost seven of their last eight games after going 28 and 22 to start the season. And it's not like they're losing to the league's best. I mean, there's there's a Heat loss mixed in there. There's a Bulls loss mixed in there. They just lost to Memphis. I guess they did lose to Cleveland, but they lost to a, a, a you know bruised and battered Clippers team. They lost to the the Raptors. I get are playing better lately, but it's it's still just the Raptors. Uh, they did beat the Pistons. They dropped 141 points on the Pistons a couple nights ago, or, or I guess last Friday night. Um, so I mean, they've now had a couple of days off. They were off Sunday and Monday. They they go to Minnesota to face the Timberwolves, and then I uh, still have one more game before the break Thursday night against the Heat. So the schedule definitely got tougher of late for the Hornets, but this is still a beatable team. Uh, they're relatively healthy. Um, I mean, Gordon Hayward obviously has been out here for a little while. Um, he remains out. Jalen McDaniel's Jaden's brother is out as well. Um, but their their very best players are available. The Lamella Balls, Terry Rozier, uh, Miles Bridges. I understand Gordon Hayward's a big part of what they do, but they've got everybody else. Kelly Oubre Jr. Um, these guys are all available. They also just made the trade deadline move for Montrez Harrell, who's who's in two games already scored a bunch of points for them. He scored what thirty five points over two games, I believe, um, and uh, you know is doing his thing on the glass as well. Uh, by the way, I hadn't talked about this on the show, but John Krasinski at the Athletic. John Krasinski at The Athletic, excuse me, reported at the end of last week that Harrell was the player the Wolves were closest to acquiring prior to the deadline, which would have been interesting. I have no idea what they would have given up for him, uh, but Charlotte ends up, ends up landing Montrez Harrell to add some uh, toughness and uh, rebounding ability to their bench. Um, but still, I mean, the, the, the Charlotte Hornets are not ultra efficient offensively. Um, you look at their offensive unit, they are 11th in offensive rating and just 24th in defensive rating. So they're just a spot behind Minnesota in terms of offensive efficiency. 
Um, and they are a pretty good three-point shooting team, but they've got some higher volume guys, right? Terry Rozier is a little bit higher volume. Miles Bridges shoots six threes a game, but shoots them at under 31%. They've got a bunch of these guys who who like to jack up shots and they make enough of them. They have four starters, or excuse me, five players that all average at least 16 points a game. That includes Hayward, who's not going to play in this game, obviously. But um, I mean, LaMelo Ball continues to be fantastic. He's averaging 20 a game, seven and a half assists and seven rebounds per game. And continues to shoot the ball better than people thought he would. He's making three-pointers at a 37% clip. His two-point shooting percentage is a little lower than you'd like it to be, 46.7% on two-point attempts. Um, But he's still just completely fantastic, a ton of fun to watch. Um, And Edwards so far is winless against LaMelo Ball and the Hornets. Uh, The Wolves lost the Hornets earlier this year, and Ball has now beaten Edwards and the Timberwolves three times in uh, just over the last, what, I mean, They've both been in the league for a year and three months, which is just insane. There's been a ton of basketball since then with the uh, with the weird season last year and the shortened offseason and all that. Um, going back to the last time these times played, these two teams played, you may remember this was uh, the Wolves had that big win over the Miami Heat the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. The Timberwolves then went on the road and lost to Charlotte that Friday, so the day after Thanksgiving. Um, they lost a game that really wasn't all that close. It was a 10-point halftime deficit, and the Hornets kind of pulled away in the second half. And Ant was very quiet in that game. 11 points, five rebounds, 11 points on just nine shots. Cat had 20, 25, seven, and six. Was very good. D'Lo was good as well, 18, six, and five. Uh, Malik Beasley had one of his rare uh, hot streaks in that game. He had five made threes, scored 18 points. But they got very little from everyone else. Jaden McDaniels was fairly quiet. Uh, the rest of the bench outside of Beasley didn't do a whole lot in this game. And uh, again, Anthony Edwards, a very quiet performance. On the other side, though, the Wolves gave up some some big numbers. Kelly Oubre was coming off the bench. He's been starting of late for the Hornets, but he came off the bench in this game and hit seven threes on en route to 27 points. Also, Jalen McDaniels had 14 and eight off the bench. He's also not available. Um, Gordon Hayward had a big game. He's not available as well. LaMelo Ball had 10 points, 13 assists in that game. Um, but again, just 10 points on 10 shots. The Wolves did a pretty good job on him defensively. Obviously, that's the matchup everyone wants to talk about. Everyone's going to be watching is Edwards versus LaMelo Ball. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, but the Hornets are one of the few teams that's nearly as bad as the Timberwolves are in terms of defensive rebounding. So that's an area that should be a wash in this game. Um, the Wolves have obviously struggled quite a bit on the glass throughout the year, uh, but but it's been a big issue again lately. Uh, part of that's because Jared Vanderbilt's seen his minutes decrease because of just some general defensive issues that Chris Finch has talked about. Uh, but this is a game where you're going to need Jared Vanderbilt to, to pull his weight on the glass. You're going to need him on the floor. Carlton Towns has to pull his weight on the glass as well. Um, Charlotte defensively is there's some similarities to the Timberwolves defense. They're a little bit worse than the Wolves, uh, not necessarily worse than how the Wolves have played of late, but they do a good job of forcing turnovers. They're middle of the pack in terms of blocks per game. They get a lot of steals. Um, and, uh, they also are kind of middle of the pack in fouls committed, uh, middle to, you know, lower middle of the pack in terms of personal fouls per game and foul rate. Um, so there is some similarities between how the Hornets play defense and how the Timberwolves play defense. Uh, Charlotte is sixth in three-point attempts per game. They are 12th in three-point attempt rate, and they're seventh in three-point shooting percentage league-wide. So this is a good offensive team, um, and outside of outside of uh, Miles Bridges, I mean, their best players can all shoot the three a little bit. So um, the Wolves will have their work cut out for them, especially because Minnesota's been so bad in general defensively of late, but especially defending the perimeter, and uh, they're going to need to to try and and shift things around here if they're going to get a win against Charlotte. And of course, coming on the heels of Tuesday's game against Charlotte is uh, the Timberwolves turn around and play Wednesday night at home against the Toronto Raptors. So 
a back-to-back, not a whole lot of back-to-backs earlier this season, but now the Wolves get one right before the All-Star break. And it's going to be tempting for them to be looking ahead at the break, um, especially because they wrap up on Wednesday and get Thursday off. And of course, Friday leading into the weekend. Um, so they get that extra day off on, on Thursday. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it'll be tempting for the Timberwolves to look ahead, hopefully not beyond Tuesday and Wednesday's game. Um, one game at a time, I guess they got to take care of Tuesday first, but um, at any rate, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, we'll, of course, have the postgame pod posting after Tuesday night's games. So that'll be Wednesday's show. We'll do the same thing after Wednesday's game against the Raptors for Thursday's show. So a couple of consecutive postgame pods. And then on Friday, we'll look ahead at All-Star Weekend and the Timberwolves players that will be, will be participating. We finally will get Wolves players participating on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which we have not seen in quite some time. Um, so we'll talk about all that as well. All right. That's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves and at B Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Thanks again for listening to the show. Of course, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And of course, you're making Lockdown Wolves your first listen. That's greatly appreciated. You can make your second listen, Lockdown Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.